welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. You know, should we just pray and get into God's word tonight? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we have to open up your word and to hear from you. Lord, and I pray that that's exactly what would happen tonight, that it wouldn't be me, Lord, uh, per se, that people hear from, but you through me, Lord. Uh, help me to disappear behind your word. Help me to disappear behind the cross and let the gospel be seen, Lord. Let your gracious mercy be put on full display through the preaching of your word, Lord, for you are a gracious king. You are a loving king. You're kind, Lord. You are kind to us, good to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts and stir up our faith again to believe that again in spite of our circumstances. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. So another warm welcome if you're watching online to Cork Church. The Lord is moving here in the house. If you're sitting watching at home, can I encourage you, come be a part of what's going on in the sanctuary. God is moving. Amen. It's true and everyone in here is beautiful. So if you are single and you're looking for some connection, Wednesday night services. Amen. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you know, uh, tonight, folks, um, the Lord has given me a word. Um, I just, I'm just trusting him for the grace to, to kind of bring it out here, uh, that the Lord would just touch this word. Um, he's, he's given me a word, and I've entitled it, How to Experience Change. How to Experience Change. How many of us want to experience change? Amen. How many of us understand that that is our inheritance in the gospel? How, right? Resurrection life is our inheritance in the gospel. Jesus died that we might know newness of life, right? One of my favorite passages is when Jesus says, I'm making all things new. It's in the book of Revelation. He says, behold, I make all things new. Do you know that that's you as well? That he's making something new in you. You're a new creation. Second Corinthians 15 tells us that if any man or woman be in Christ, that they are a new creation. Amen. The old is past and the new has come, right? Isn't that true? In spite of the outburst you may have had today. Oh, folks, if you're watching online, a tumbleweed just blew through the sanctuary there. In spite of the outburst you had today, in spite of the failure you had or the things you're going through, you're a new creation, the old has passed and the new has come. And this is from God that Paul says he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? Not only has he renewed you, he's given you a purpose in your life to be an agent of peace and reconciliation in the world. You get to bring the peace that God has put in your heart and, and broker it out into the lives of other people. It's amazing. I'm going to read from Galatians initially tonight. I'm going to read from Galatians and then I want to read from Ezekiel. Uh, I'm going to try not to jump around too much tonight, but uh, if you want to, you could just listen here. Galatians 5, verses fi uh, sorry, verse 15 through 24, and we'll just start there. Here we go.
But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And folks, listen to this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Amen. I'm going to leave it there with the reading. And I'm going to give a kind of a context here a little bit. Paul is speaking to the church in Galatia. He's speaking to them and he's talking to them about fruits, okay, types of fruits. And um, I want to start by really saying this. This is what Paul is saying, that there can be two different types of fruits in our relationships, okay? So he begins by talking about the Galatians biting and devouring one another. The Galatians' relationships were in jeopardy because they were producing the wrong fruit in their lives, okay? They were bearing the wrong type of fruit and it was having a toxic effect on their relationships, okay? Uh, A toxic effect. They'd begun to bite and devour one another. Maybe you know something about that, right? You're in Christ, you belong to Jesus, but it's as if your mouth hasn't gotten the memo, right? You belong to Jesus, you're in Christ, but that tongue... You belong to Jesus, you're in Christ, yet there's still anger and fits of anger, outbursts in your life. You belong to Jesus, you've been given the Spirit of God, you've been redeemed, yet there are still unflattering manifestations, behaviors that are coming out of your life. Listen, one thing I've learned is this, the longer I go on in the Lord, the more I realize my need for His grace in my life. My goodness, can we be honest for a second here? I am just ashamed of myself at times. I'm ashamed of how I speak to my wife at times. <sighs> and she puts up with me because I'm so handsome. <laughs> Can we all say amen? Ben, ben was saying, you're waiting for the main course. I think I'm more like dessert. I was telling Danny, I was telling Danny, it's Danny's happy birthday, Danny, just turned 30. I was saying, Danny, you know what? Your metabolism is just right now. It's waving you goodbye. Bye. Do you know? I said, it's okay though. We've caught the bus wife and and kid and God willing some more kids to come I get to say that on a mic she can't say no (laughs) right but the truth of the matter is as we get older the cracks begin to show it's true isn't it as we get older we start to see our need for the savior in our lives we start to see our need Lord Jesus if if not for your grace your favor to hold me and the things that you've given me together I don't know if I would make it it's funny isn't it and so the Galatians were just like that they had been made alive by the spirit yet Paul had brought something to their attention if you want freedom liberty change it's not enough to be made alive by the spirit amen it's not enough to be simply forgiven of your sins 
Paul is literally saying that you must keep in step with the spirit that saved you. Okay, there's a pace, there's a a synchronicity with the spirit of God. When you are in sync with the spirit, okay, the culture of your relationships begins to represent the uh, nature of your salvation. Does that make sense? Okay, that's that's kind of what he was saying. And so we can be in Christ, but out of step. You know, the Spirit of God wants to bring us down a road leads us, that leads to deeper peace, joy, and fellowship, the things that belong to the kingdom of God. But certain aspects of our behavior seem to tug us in the opposite direction, away from peace, away from uh, relational harmony. And so there can be tension. I want to ask tonight, what, what do we do? What do I do when the culture of my relationships is not in sync with the nature of my salvation? What is the solution to toxic behavior that causes me to bite and devour the people around me? Well, Paul's answer is that I need to progress in the spirit. It's funny, Paul says, walk in the spirit. That word in the Greek, it's better rendered as progress progress in the spirit. If you progress in the spirit, it says that you'll put to death those things in you that are not flattering. Those things in you that God has dealt with in a moment, but yet they can still seem to be a part of our relationships. Do you know that God wants you to have good relationships? God wants you to have harmonious relationships. So we need to keep in step with the spirit. That's Paul's solution. I want to look here at Ezekiel 47. This is really where we're going to camp for most of the sermon. I want to look at this. It's an amazing picture. Ezekiel prophesying in Babylon um, is, is, you know, really given a a number of visions over the book. He prophesies for about 22 years. He's given a number of visions and he's given a vision of a temple. Okay, he's given a vision of a temple in Jerusalem, although he's not there himself. He's he's given a, a vision of the temple. And I want to look at this here. I want to read it. I'm going to read from verses 1 through 12. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the east, or sorry, on the outside of the outer gate that, uh, that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out onto the south side. Verses one through three, Ezekiel gets a picture of a temple. He gets a picture of a structure. And in the structure, there is a river that begins to flow and it flows out of the south side and it passes an altar. Okay, Uh, let's keep going. Verse three, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then he led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and he led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows down, downward, uh, sorry, flows toward the eastern region and goes down toward the Arabah and enters the sea where the water flows into the sea. 
the water will become fresh. Wherever the water flows, it will become fresh, okay? And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish, for this water goes there, and the waters of the sea will become fresh, so that everything will live where the river goes. You know, I'm just going to leave it there. Amen? Everything will live where the river goes, right? Amen? Everything will live where the river goes. There's two pictures here in this passage. One is of a, a Ezekiel's journey into a river, and the other one is the effect of the river on everything that it touches, okay? Two, two examples here, two things we need to keep in mind, and this is the first point I want to make about change. As we move into dependency on the river, we move into new life, amen? So dependency is, is as we get deeper into God, into, his, into a life in the spirit, a walk in the spirit, as we let go of control and let God be God, there is a residual effect on us. There is a purifying reality that happens in our lives. If you want to experience change, you must abandon control and move into weakness and dependency on God. It's funny, maybe you wouldn't think that the two were related, but that's because you've never tried to catch a monkey. Have you ever tried to catch a monkey? Let me tell you how you catch a monkey. So people who catch monkeys, uh, they, you know, let's call it a jam jar. So there's plenty of jam jars out where they catch monkeys, okay? And what they do is they put a nut or a piece of banana in a jam jar, okay? Or a jar or something. And the monkey puts its hand into the jar and grabs the nut or grabs the banana but once it makes a fist it can't pull its hand back out of the jar and then the person catching the monkey gets to just throw the net on the monkey okay and if we would maybe learn from this okay so if we would learn to let go of certain things maybe we would experience freedom Maybe we need to let go of things to experience freedom. Maybe some of us are trapped today because we are holding on to things we ought to be letting go of. Control is an issue. We're all, con who's, who's a control, who wants to be honest about being a control freak here, right? Amen, right? Do we have any backseat drivers in the house, right? Anybody who, who, who just lives to tell their spouse how to drive? Amen. Yes, we know what it's like. People who love it. And listen, let, let, me, let me admit something to you. I'm, I'm maybe the worst. I'm maybe the worst. Let me tell you how bad I am. When I'm sitting next to my wife, when, she, when, when we're coming up to a stoplight, just instinctively, my foot goes down on the pedal that doesn't exist on my side of the car. It's instinctual, an instinctual need to control the velocity of the vehicle. Something that says that my wife can't do it as well as me, and if it's going to happen, it's got to be me who does it. That's control, the need to control every aspect of life. And we are like that. We need to know what's happening before it happens. We like to worry about problems that don't exist and spend our day in fear over what to do about problems that don't even exist. Are you, are, you, are you one of those people inventing problems and then worrying about getting a solution for a problem that doesn't exist? Isn't it amazing? We're talking to the young adults the other day. I said the only thing God can't redeem is time that we waste in worry. 
Yet we worry and we worry and we worry and we worry, control, control, and we hold on to things and we don't see that there is a direct link to the lack of freedom we're experiencing in other areas. And so Ezekiel's journey begins with a look at a temple and that temple is a picture of Jesus. That temple is a picture of Jesus. And the first point I want to make about change or transformation is this. There is no transformation without adoration. There is no transformation without adoration. Jesus is the temple. John uh, 19.33 verse 35 tells us that when Jesus hung on that cross, he was stabbed in the side by a Roman soldier and out of his side flowed blood and water. That blood is a picture of the blood of, it's, it's his blood. It's the justifying work of God to cleanse us of the guilt of our sins. Do you know that you can live guilt-free in this life? You can live without a sense of guilt because of what Jesus has done. The blood has done a work to render us innocent, but the water is always a picture of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of the spirit. So out of the side of Christ flowed blood that cleanses us of our guilt from the sins we commit, but it also flowed out, out of Christ flowed the spirit, a spirit, a, a, a river, a life in the spirit that we can walk in, okay? Jesus then is the source of all new life and restoration. It doesn't come from you, Amen. It doesn't come from you. Change cannot come from within. Change cannot come. Some of us need to adjust our philosophy. You will never change, find the strength to change from within yourself. You must look away from yourself. Nothing changes until our perspective changes. Amen? That's why Ezekiel had to look at the temple first. He had to see the source of the river of life. There is no transformation without adoration. Worship, worship is the first step to change. When I take my eyes off myself and I look again to the Savior who gave himself for me. When I look at the cross, I can see what God did to the part of me I can never beat on my own. Crucified in him, God dealt with that part of me. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it transforming? Tremendous. And there's a promise here, folks. Bear with me for a second there, folks. There's a promise here. No, do you know what? Let's keep going. There is a, there is a, an, uh, there is a, there is no transformation without adoration. And we are to worship the one who was pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And here, when we look in Ezekiel, it says that there is a river flowing south of the altar, a river flowing south of the altar, okay? A life in the spirit that flows south of the altar. And there, folks, there is a coming to an end of yourself, amen? There is a coming to an end of yourself. There is a dying, a looking away from what, uh, from yourself uh, as the source of your own salvation in your life. <coughs> this is how all lasting change begins. It begins at the altar. It begins when we're at the cross where I see what God did to deal with my flesh 
and what and the love of God that was displayed for me okay so at the cross I see what God did to my flesh and I see what God did for me the love of God displayed for me love and power in other words so when I look beyond myself to the cross I begin to see that there is love there is the security of the Savior's love and there is power for change because my strength what I'm dealing with, it comes from seeing what God did. There's a dying to human effort, to, 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 to human strength, to saving yourself through reason, through rationale, through human efforts, understand, and rather to understand, uh, and, and understanding, sorry, and rather to look to grace for your life, okay? He died that you might experience, that I might experience new life. This is my portion, my inheritance in him. Grace, mercy, love, a life in the spirit, an abundant life. That is what the cross tells us. Folks, we can't look inward. We can't look to our past. We can't beat ourselves up. We've got to look at the cross where we see love and power and a source and a fountain of life that will never be stopped up. There is nothing you can do to stop that river flowing from the Savior. There's nothing you can do to stop that grace flowing towards you. God has put you in the river. Now he's calling you to be in step, walk in step with that river. You're in because he put you in and now he's calling you to more, to walk in step. You know, the Bible says in Romans 8, 14, that it's those who are led by the Spirit of God that should be called children of God. So it is in the leading of the Holy Spirit when we start to walk with him as he leads us, there is a resemblance in our lives to God, to, to, to the one who adopted us. The attributes of God become apparent in our lives as we submit and allow ourselves to be led. At every stage of the Christian's journey, there's a call to move into new depths. Okay, so I want to look here at verses 3 to 6 and this idea of Ezekiel going into the temple. At every stage, there's a call to move into new depths, to go deeper into what flows from the sacrifice, a deeper walk in the spirit. There's an invitation tonight, folks, to walk deeper into weakness and dependency that his strength might be made manifest in you, to walk in the spirit, to walk that way. And there's a promise God is saying to you, and you can read it in Ezekiel 36 verse 26, kind of and down. God, is talk, God talks about cleansing us and bringing us to a place of purity in our lives. And that's the promise of the new covenant. He's saying that I'm bringing you on a journey into fruitfulness. I'm bringing you on a journey and I'm going to make you fruitful. It says, I'm going to cleanse you of your idols. I'm going to wash you with pure water and I'm going to cause you to be obedient to my statutes and be careful to obey my laws. So in other words, God is not going to leave you toxic if you are today. God isn't going to do it. He's going to wash you and he's going to cause, the type, cause you to bear the type of fruit that proves that you belong to him. Folks, we have to catch the change as a promise, a divine work in us. He will bring out of us what he put inside of us. All we're called to do is walk in step with the spirit of God, okay? And as we move into dependency, this newness of life, faith then is to surrender yourself to the leading of God. We have to surrender ourselves to the leading of God. It's not an easy thing to do, is it? 
It's not easy. When God comes to call us into things, waters beyond our depth, it's hard to say yes. You know, a lot of us want to keep control. And the problem is we can't really be the Lord of our own lives and experience growth and freedom and healing. Reason must give way to trust. Proverbs 3.5 says that we're to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. It is always that tension to trust and believe God. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. Maybe we need to begin to pray, Lord, help me to daily surrender my course, my direction, my pace of life, my comfort. Holy Spirit, take me where you want me to go. Lead me out of my depth into your strength. Our need to understand and control reason through life must give way to faith in the love that put Christ on a cross, that that love will bring us through the waters. That's the truth. And the problem with control, like we've seen, when you lean on your own understanding, that it doesn't allow for, for, for certain behaviors to break off of us. It just doesn't. And so there is that saltiness that won't allow life that can somehow sometimes be in our lives. There are things that we can carry through life that have the potential to kill our relationships. So we've covered that and we understand now that we have to walk in step with the Spirit of God. And Ezekiel, this picture in Ezekiel 47 is really where I want us to focus now. And I want to look at, maybe if you'll let me, two types of believers, okay? Because there is an invitation in the Spirit at every depth to go a little bit further than we are. So I want to look at this. Because at every step in the Christian walk, there's an experience of the Holy Spirit. But there's also a greater experience and a greater freedom that comes alongside of it. And so Ezekiel begins to talk about first an initial experience about coming ankle deep. And so I want to talk a little bit about this too. I want to make a point. Transformation cannot happen in the shallows. Okay? Transformation cannot happen in the shallows. So God brings us into this life in the spirit, this walk in the spirit, but transformation cannot happen in shallow waters. So surface faith will always equal surface freedom. Okay, it'll always equal that. So in other words, don't be a shallow Christian. Don't be a shallow Christian. The more we hold on to our life, the less freedom we enjoy. The less we allow faith and trust in the grace of God come into our life, the less actual freedom we enjoy from fear and worry and from behaviors that end up alienating us from other people and leaving us in a place of fruitlessness. God, is, God leads us and guides us into, into the waters of his spirit, but not for us to remain there. He's, he won't leave you in the shallows, folks. He's bringing you deeper. There's a passage um, in the, uh, 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 earlier in the scriptures that talks about Reuben and Gad, uh, two of the uh, Israelite tribes who chose to settle on the borders of the Jordan. They chose to settle on the borders so they didn't want to go with Moses over the Jordan and inherit the full land of Canaan. Instead, they said, just give us the, the land that suits us now. So they reared cattle and they said, just, just give us this land here, Moses. Just let us live here on this side, in the shallow places, if you like. We don't want to go in and face any battles per se. We want to keep it easy. We don't want the type of faith 
faith that challenges our comfort. We don't want the type of faith that challenges the status quo. We kind of like things the way they are. We like things to be easy. And the problem, folks, is this. When we settle uh, on the borders, we're always the first to experience attack when it comes, when it happens. So we shouldn't settle uh, for the borders as an inheritance. We shouldn't settle for that. There's more for you. If you're on the borders, if you're, if you're in church, if you come in on a Sunday and that's fine, but there's no, there's no trace of Christianity beyond the Sunday service you attend in your life. If there's no fruit in keeping with repentance, if your life is not slowly, always imperfectly beginning to resemble the savior who saved you, there is a call for you to go deeper. There's no condemnation in it. There's an invitation to come deeper. The Lord is always saying, I've got more for you than that. That is, no inherit- that is not the inheritance I died to give you. I have a deeper inheritance for you. Follow me, come deeper with me. And you see it in the text. There's this man who keeps calling Ezekiel deeper and deeper. There's that picture of the Holy Spirit's call. And then he goes deeper and it's knee deep and waist deep. The next point I want to make is this. Transformation doesn't happen when we remain unyielded under the surface, okay? So there's Ezekiel and he's in the water and the water's knee deep and waist deep. And I don't know if you've ever been out swimming and you're kind of, you're in the water and it it looks like you're in the water, but underneath the surface, you're actually still maintaining control. You're still the one moving. You're still the one deciding where you want to go. And, And listen, that can be a lot of us. We get beyond the borderlands in our salvation. What Jesus gets us, you know, we get to that point where we feel like we're walking in the spirit, but sometimes it can just be, we could just get better at hiding our mechanisms of control in our lives. We get better at keeping our hand on the wheel without looking like we're keeping our hand on the wheel? Are we still worrying? Are we still dealing with anxiety? Are we still pushing to have answers instead of trusting in his presence in the moment? Do we need every tomorrow's problem fixed and sorted in our minds for us to have joy today? Are we like that? If we're like that, maybe we're still working in our strength. If if only under the surface. We get better at at, at espousing the right theology. We get better at saying that God's in control and God's sovereign and just let go and let God and all that kind of thing. But in, in, in the darkness of our minds and our thinking, are we as emancipated? Are we free of, of that anxious voice that says, unless I can do something about my predicament, it's going to spiral out of control? If that is us, if that is you, there's even a call there. The problem with maneuvering and reasoning and working it out when we should be trusting is that it's like treading water. We're swimming, but we're not going anywhere. It's a recipe for frustration and disappointment because you're never going to get across that river in your own strength. We have to let go of, direct, of, of our attempts to direct our lives and begin to trust in the one who gave his life for us that we might have abundant life and freedom. It's just as simple as that, folks. It's got to be faith. Where there's faith, there's freedom. Where there's faith, there's liberty from the things in our lives that break apart and burn up the relationships God has given us. 
I'd like to read from Psalm 32 here. I'm going to read from verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer a prayer to you at a time where you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. And listen to verse 7. You're a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. That's a promise. That means God is going to direct your life. God is going to bring direction to your life. You don't need to direct your own life. You don't need to make it happen. He will direct your life. A lot of us need tomorrow's answers today. A lot of us need God to tell us something that he's not. Jesus said sufficient is the day for its own trouble. Amen. We have to receive that. God, I'll, let me, I'll just worry about today. And, you know, if, if only, you know, because tomorrow morning, according to Lamentations, there's new mercies for me. There's new blessings for me to count. There's new graces for me, which means there's grace for the day. So why am I worrying about tomorrow before the grace comes for the problems that I may not even have to face? Listen to this. God says, I'll instruct you and teach you. And now listen to this. I'll counsel you with my eye upon you. In other words, what he's saying is, I want it to just be a look. I want to be able to look at you. Anyone who's married knows what this is. When, 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 you're, when you're married, your spouse just needs to look at you. Just needs to look at you. When you're married, your spouse just needs to give you a look. And that is enough for you to know exactly what they mean, what they're saying and what they think. Isn't it true? Spouses need to say it to you. They just need to give you a look and you know you're in the doghouse. Amen? You know. Now the Lord is saying, I want you to know me and walk in step with me until we get to a stage where you know from a look my heart for you. When you know from a look what I want from you. And yet there's, there's a warning here in verse 9. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding who must be curbed with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. How many of us need a bit and a bridle before God can lead us anywhere? Amen. Both my hands are up. How many of us need God to put bit and bridle in our mouths before we go deeper into the things that he has for us? Why is it always pain that has to bring us into depths, greater depths in him. The invitation into the depths will also always look like circumstances that are beyond your control. It's because it's going to require more faith. Why is it that we need to lose the job before we begin to say that it's all your money, Lord? Why, 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 does, why does poverty make us faithful tithers? Look at the widow's might. She had nothing and yet she gave more faithfully. Right, She gave more faithfully than the Pharisees who knew how to tithe their, their tenth of dill, uh, dill and mint and cumin, but neglected the weightier measures of the law. In her poverty, she understood what she had and she was able to give. How many of us need catastrophe and pain and, 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 and circumstances to turn almost before we say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to go another thousand meters. It's funny, isn't it? It's funny. Why do we think that just because we can't control a situation, that situation is out of control? Why do we mean that? Why? And yet God is saying, trust me, follow me. It's not what you do in deep waters that concerns God, but who you become in deep waters. God is after fruit in your life. 
the type of fruit that brings them glory. So many of us get concerned because we don't know what to do when things get out of our control. And God is saying, no, you're missing it. It's the very, that this is the very thing that's bringing something beautiful out of you. I'm breaking the clay jar to reveal what is inside. We're earthen pots, Paul says in Corinthians, and God is cracking it through circumstances that are beyond our control, through faith, through the cross of faith, so that we can see, begin to see what he's put inside of us. And I want to look at this here too. I love this. He measures and he leads. His presence comes with protection in the invitation. He's with you in it. And we have to see this. God isn't calling you into a place of deeper faith without saying, I'm going to be with you in it anyway as well. So every, every thousand meters further into that river of life, there is the man. There is that picture of, I suppose, the, 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 the Spirit of God and the Lord with you in that. There's that picture saying, the deeper you go, the deeper I go. I'm going there further. I'm going there first. As if to say, he'll never lead you into waters too deep too soon. I'm not going to lead you out to ways deep straight away. I'm going to bring you through the shallows. I'm going to walk with you in step with you until you're ready to believe for greater things. He's never going to lead you into waters too deep too soon. He is measured with you. He's measured with you in what he will allow you to face. Isn't that wonderful? He's measured. He knows what's enough, what, what, what you can take, where your faith is at, because it's him cultivating your faith. Okay? He leads you in. Then he leads you in. Once he knows that the conditions are right, we uh, make a, a bath for a Jackson. And I, we don't let him in until the conditions are perfect, right? So we run a bath. It must be, oh, 38 degrees. Must be 38 degrees. If the waters are too high, he'll slip into the bath. If the waters are too hot, he'll get burns. The waters have to be perfect conditions for our baby. Okay, so we almost have to go in first, make sure it's right, you know, dip a finger in, dip a toe in, whatever, to make sure that that bath water is right for our son. Um, and, and in that way, God leads us into deeper places of faith. The conditions must be right first. I want to kind of end with some encouragement here because the last five verses, 7 through 12, are, are wonderful because it talks about what this river what it does in you through you and the course that it takes okay I want to look at it here and there's some verses I'll just go back into the passage and show you here because that, that those fruits in abandonment to God there's fruit when we abandon our lives to the leading of the Holy Spirit and begin to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. We began about talking about saltiness, right? We began about talking about toxicity, that there is such a thing as being toxic in relationships and being in Christ. There's such a thing as being redeemed, but being repugnant in relationships. These things, it's true. It's true. And yet now there's, there's a promise here that I think is tremendous. Look at it here. It talks about um, ultimately what God is saying is this, that the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life, that what he touches, he'll make pure. 
and what is broken and toxic will, and, and bitter will become clean and pure and fresh. And the first picture we get is very many fish and things that swarm, that they'll live. And that promises that, is, uh, take it this way almost, that your life will produce a great harvest, that there'll be a harvest from your life, that things that were once dead will now be made alive, that there'll be a swarm or a multitude or a harvest in your life, that you will be fruitful. And it goes further on and it talks about the sea and it talks about the purification of souls. And it means that the part of your character that could not sustain life will become hospitable again. That's what that, that's that promise there. So the parts of your character that couldn't sustain relational health will become hospitable again. God will turn tombs into wombs, if you like. Relationships that died because of your character, your behavior, um, the alienation you might have experienced will become springs of life again. Amen. Isn't that amazing that when we walk with the spirit, our relationships improve. Isn't that a byproduct that when our relationship with God is as it should be, when we're in sync with the Holy Ghost, we get in sync with everybody else. Isn't it funny? And the converse is true. Typically, our horizontal relationships are a picture or a reflection of our vertical relationship, okay? When we have peace with God, we have peace with men. If you are at odds with everybody, it's probably not all their faults. You're the common denominator, and it's time to look at your relationship with the Lord again. But that promise, as you walk in step with the Spirit, is that that, that whatever it is, Whatever it is, that mouth that used to clear a room, right? Now it's going to fill hearts with encouragement. Amen? That anger that used to push people away is now going to be passion for Christ and for the things of God. Okay, like I keep going, that intellect that you used to use to lord over everybody is now going to be a tool God will use to feed those who otherwise wouldn't know his truth. God is going to take those things that, 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 those, those things that were toxic and make them clean. You don't have to stay, you won't stay salty forever. Amen? You won't stay salty. If you're salty and cantankerous and all that kind of stuff, walk in step with the Spirit of God. Walk in step. You're in the Spirit. Now walk with Him every day. And what does that look like? What does that look like? Every day when you wake up, Lord Jesus Christ, there is not a thing I can do on my own here today. I'm giving it to you. There's nothing too small for me to not ask for your grace to come and take hold of. You're going to have to carry me through this, Lord. Amen. How many of us are praying that way? Lord, you're going to have to carry me through my marriage. Lord, you're going to have to carry me through work. You're going to have to carry me through the conversations. I know I'm going to have that person who pushes my buttons. Lord, you're going to have to carry me through it. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability, but I'm going to let the river take its course today. Lord, my plans for my life, my ideas about what I should be, where I should go, um, what I should have achieved at this point in my life, I'm putting it all down and I'm letting the river bring me wherever I'm supposed to go. And the promise is that if you do, you're going to bear fruit. There's going to be swarms. There's going to be fruit in your life. Okay. And here it does say this, that the swamps and marshes remain salty. And there's something here, folks, 
the places, swamps and marshes are places where water doesn't flow. So we need to keep pouring out of this place of life. We have to let the river run its course. Amen. Let the river run its course. Keep pouring right. And finally, it talks about those things planted on either side of the river. How they'll blossom and bear fruits and their leaves will be healing for the nations. In other words, those who plant themselves around you will also blossom and bear fruit. As he sustains you, many will be sustained through you. Isn't that fantastic? That promise that you won't just bear fruit, but those in proximity to you will bear fruit because of the work of God in you. The overflow of your life will be nourishment and healing to the multitudes. Isn't this wonderful? When God says, I'm going to purify your life and I'm going to cause you to obey my statutes and be careful to obey my laws. He is promising that he will bring himself to reputation and get glory out of the fruit of your life. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that tremendous? Jesus, John seven thirty seven to close the end of a feast got up and he spoke about a river of living water he spoke about the spirit of god this way that it would flow through our hearts or our bellies some translations say that as the river flows through as you as you flow in the river the river will flow through your life so i just want to end with this thought we must let go to experience change Rivers that flow from your heart and bring life and fruit to all those planted around you. That's the promise of the gospel. That Lord, as I trust you with those things that are too big for me, as I let go, as I look to you in worship, and as I begin to say yes to that invitation to go deeper, Lord, you are going to bring fruit out of my life. I might be toxic now. My relationships may be frayed now but you're going to bring relational harmony. You're going to bring the kingdom into my life and then out of my life. I'm going to, it's going to end in a good place. Amen. I'm just going to leave it there tonight. I hope that helps you. I hope that helps you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, um, I just pray that that helps, Lord. I pray that that helps. I thank you, Lord, that that change is our inheritance in you. I thank you, Lord, that Regardless of what our relationships might look like now, we are on a journey in the spirit toward health and life, abundant life and purity. We have it. And yet, Lord, we're called into the depths of it every day. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we begin, Lord, to walk out of this place, we would see the Savior. We would see the place where our, our, our sins were dealt with, where our flesh and its works were dealt with and put away. And we would begin to see the display of love that you showed on that cross when you died to save us from ourselves and the penalty of our sins. And I pray, God, as we walk out that door, we would be sensitive to your spirit, open to your leading, open to your voice, open, Lord, to walk in step with you. So, God, we would bear fruit, Lord, that brings glory to your name. And, and I just say amen to that, Lord. And we say amen together. And we thank you, Lord. And we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. 
thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.